Well, I want to welcome you again, and I want to just share that, like I mentioned earlier, um, our family and I got to take a trip last week up to Minnesota, um, a five-and-a-half-hour car trip one way, okay? So I learned a couple things in this trip. Uh, first of all, we should have flew. First of, okay, that's the first thing I learned. Secondly, the devil is alive and he is real. Because I am telling you, I mean, I, I love our kids and they're, they're awesome, but there's something about when you put siblings together in the backseat of a car and you start traveling. Things happen. Tensions flare. Siblings are funny, aren't they? I mean, siblings, we, they'll give each other a kidney if you need it. But my gosh, you steal my phone charger, I will kill you. That's, that's, that's the kind of conversations we were having. Jody and I maybe weren't a lot better in the front seat. We were, there was a battle going on for temperature control. You guys ever have that? Like, like, I want to keep it at 68 where the Lord wants it. And then Jody, she'll put it at like, well, it says high. And that's like 90. She's got hers. So she's pumping heat on this side. I'm pumping air on this side. Like, we created a funnel cloud right in the car. It was absolutely incredible. Just amazing. So uh, eventually she fell asleep and I cranked hers down. But anyway, so that's what the Lord wanted. So anyway, we, we took this trip. And there were, so what my point is, if you were to look at our family at certain times throughout this trip and this long car ride, you would question our salvation. Like, you would wonder, are they even saved? Do they even know Jesus? Because there were some, there were some opportunities there. And, and that's really what this, this series, The Unsaved Christian, is all about. If you're new, I want to recap, even if you're not new, because it's so important that we get the, the foundation. Because you hear the word unsaved Christian, and you think, that doesn't make sense, unsaved Christian. And it doesn't. But, but here's the thing. There are, most Americans would say, I'm a Christian. They would say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I believe in Jesus. And, and, and they would say, I'm good to go. But, but Jesus makes some statements in Matthew that I'm going I'm to show you in a second that, that make us really think, okay, there's more to it than just a, a knowledge or a belief. So uh, there's, 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 there's a couple categories. There's the biblical Christian. They're really sold out to Jesus. They're following Jesus. But then we have what's called maybe a, a cultural Christian. And, and that's, according to what Jesus says here, that's a lot of people. It's a, it could be a lot of us, like even sitting in churches right now all around the world. So this, this scripture got my attention at 10 years old, and it still gets my attention today. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes a couple statements. I'm going to give them to you just to, just to refresh our memory. The first one is about heaven and hell and, and where most people go. This is what he said, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gates are wide for many who choose that way. People, would, people will say, well, I, I don't understand. If, if God is so good, how can he send people to hell? Well, God doesn't send anybody to hell. You're, right. he, you're exactly right. He doesn't do that. People choose that way, and many times by default. We'll come back to that. So for people who choose that way, but the gateway to life or heaven is narrow. The road's difficult. Few ever find it. So that, that scripture right there is just startling. Because in that scripture, Jesus basically is saying, most people will not go to heaven. But, but here's the good news, because that's always uh, brought me to a place of like defeat and discouragement. But when God called us to launch or start a church called Meadows, uh, like he was so clear, and I didn't hear it audibly, but it's like I could have. And Jesus is like, go get them. You can fit a lot of people on the narrow road. So that's what we're called to do as a church. So, so Jesus makes this statement, and a few verses later, he makes another as startling statement. This is what he says. 
He says, not everyone who, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many, say many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name, Jesus. But I'm going to reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Okay, so step back for a second. These people in this story, they believed in Jesus. Like they called him Lord. Like they believed in him so much that they were doing like good things in his name. So they weren't unbelievers. They weren't like atheists or agnostics that are, are indifferent. They were believers, but yet Jesus said, no, nope, you're, you're, you're on the road. You're on the, the highway, not, not the stairway, is what Jesus would say. And I'm thinking to myself, there's something we need to know here. Because if the, if the stairway is narrow and rocky, and few find it, but yet most Americans, and America is one of the most lost countries in the world when it comes to uh, spirituality, most Americans would say, I'm on the road that leads to life. We're, we're missing something. So today I'm so excited because today we're going to answer the question, how do I know? Somebody asked me that last week. They, they listened to last week's message, and they literally asked the question. I said, you got to come Sunday because I, I'm going to show you through the word of God, how do I know? Am I, have I been deceived the whole time? Am, am I been thinking I'm good to go sitting in church, and I'm really not on the road that leads to life? Could that be me? Could it be you? Could be so today, and this isn't an all-inclusive, like I can't, I'm not going to, there's, there's, this isn't like the end-all, but I really, I really wanted to ask, or, or look in scripture, like, well, well, Jesus answers it. So because before I even get to how do we know, I, I got to give you one more scripture. And, and before I give the scripture, I want to tell a story because the story sets it up. Um, our family and I, we like to go on walks. It's one of the things we do. We go on walks with the family. We go on walks with the dog. And like here, it, when we move to this area, we've got like three different walks that we do. We have the short walk, which is just around the block, or the medium uh, walk, which is kind of another route, and then the long walk, which is around the huge section. So it just depends on how well we're getting along that day to decide which walk we're going to take, right? And we always take the dog. We take our dog, Rudy. Here's a picture of Rudy. And when we first got Rudy five years ago, he's a Christmas dog. That's how he got his name. Rudolph is his full name, right? We call him Rudy. So, so Rudy, what you need to know about Rudy is even when we take Rudy on the short walk around the block, he will pee 147 times. We don't understand it. You know, after about 12, nothing comes out, but he, he, it's the weirdest thing. But anyway, he, set, he sets records for that. So, but, that before, but you need to know, before we had Rudy, we had a different dog. So put, take Rudy off so he doesn't hear this. Okay, so before we had Rudy, we had a different dog, and this was back in South Dakota, and his name was Jack. Jack was a little Westie. You know what a Westie at West Highland Terrier? Little white cute dog. So when we took Jack on walks, we had our routes in, in, in South Dakota too. And one of the routes we took we uh, was a very, um, it was a common route for us, but at the end of the route, when we got, almost were back home, we'd walk by a certain house and a certain tree. And the kids were really young, and we're, one day we're walking, and, and the tree was, was right here, and there was like apples hanging from the tree. So I grabbed an apple, and I picked it, and I, I started to eat it. And now you might think, oh my gosh, you're stealing apples. And no, I'm not. It, the, the tree was overhanging. The, if it overhangs the property, it, it's fair game. So anyway, so I'm eating this apple, and, and, and I'm like, the kids were really young. I'm like, kids, look at this tree. Look at this. This is an apple tree. And I'm sure the, my kids are like, wow, my 
dad is so smart, right? Just let me tell the story. So, yeah, you're, you're, he knows an apple tree. But what the kids don't know is if that tree didn't have apples on it, dad wouldn't have a clue. Like, there's no way I would know an apple tree from an orange tree from a Christmas tree, I don't think, without the, without the fruit on the tree. So, and don't act like you would either. You wouldn't know it either. So, Mr. Horticulture, is that what it's called? So, I would have no idea. The only reason I knew it was an apple tree is because there were these apples hanging off it. It's the only way. See, the answer to the question about how do we know if I'm a cultural Christian or not is apples. Say apples. So, Jesus, this whole series... I've been reading the one scripture about heaven and hell and the other scripture about, Lord, Lord, we did this. What about the middle? The middle section we've been leaving out till today. Jesus said something in the middle. Say the middle. This is what he said. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. That can't happen. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its apple or its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. How do I know? Today I'm going to share with you four fruits, four apples, if you will, ways you can dissect and determine, am I a cultural Christian or am I an authentic follower of Jesus? There is a difference. These, again, this isn't an all-inclusive list, but I believe that this is, this is a big chunk of it. And the very first fruit is, is really the theme of the entire series. A, a person that is authentically following Jesus is living a life of repentance. Say repentance. Repentance. If you missed last week's message, I am begging you, go back to Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, listen to it, watch it. It was maybe one of the most maybe the most impactful message we've ever taught. And it dealt with this, this, this word, repentance. Uh, in the Greek, it would be metanoia. Say metanoia. Metanoia. It literally means a change of thought. You, a person that has, been, that has the Holy Spirit in them, their, their mind has been changed. They're, not, they're, they're, they're living differently. Um, not perfectly, not perfectly, but, but there is repentance in their life. There, there is this, I guess, a sorrow, like when you, when you sin, it, it, it's convicting, it bothers you. You don't want to go there anymore. There's this repentance. Um, John Calvin, I love how he says this, repentance is not merely the start of a Christian life, it is a Christian life. So, so Jesus, in Luke, Jesus makes a statement that's so telling. Listen to what he says, Luke 9, 23. Then Jesus is saying to the crowd, like people like you and me, he says, listen, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves, okay, you're getting an idea of what repentance looks, looks like, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That is a repentant life, when you take up your cross daily. So, so what does that mean? It, it means that it's not, like repentance isn't just a, a one-time decision. It's not just praying a prayer, now I'm good to go. No, no, no. It's actually a daily surrender, an ongoing prayer that says, God, I'm not good to go, and unless you show me how to live, and unless you show me how to love, I need you. It is a surrender. Say surrender. That's what it is. It is a daily surrender. Not my will, God, but yours. 
If I could sum it up, I'd say it this way. A genuine Christian with a repentant heart isn't living for them. They're living for Christ. That's it. So, so if your life, and this is so many people, and it was me most of my life, so if it's you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there most of my life. If your life revolves around you and your family and your wants and your desires and your needs and not, about, and, and not Christ and what he wants for you, that's, you're not living a life of what we would call repentance. And you might be a cultural Christian. So a life of repentance is one of the apples. It's one of the fruits. Number two, practicing spiritual disciplines. Pastor, I got a question. Yes. What do you mean spiritual disciplines? Great question. So a spiritual discipline, by the way, I'm going to do a series in 2003 on spiritual disciplines. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. But I'll give you a teaser. Spiritual disciplines are things like um, prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Um, getting in the Word of God, like getting in the Word of God, getting in the Bible, spiritual discipline. Gathering, like you're gathering right now, this uh, for worship and, and the fellowship, that's a spiritual discipline. And there's more, but as I looked at the first church, and if there's ever a church that got it right, and they didn't get it all right, but if there's ever a church that would have got it right, it would have been them. This is the church, these are the people, this is like Peter and, and John, these are the ones that walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. So when they launched the first church, the first gathering, the body of Christ, listen to, listen to what they did. And they didn't do these things because they had to or they were forced to. It was just what they did because it was in them. This is what it says in Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves. Devotion is a big part of this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, okay, to the word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, the gathering, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were devoted. So looking back at my life, I can tell you that I wasn't devoted to these things when I was a believer of Jesus, um, but not really following him. When I was a cultural Christian, I, was, I would pray, but sporadically when I needed something. I wasn't gathering. Church was not on the radar. Uh, I wasn't in God's word at all. I mean, I, I exhibited none of, the, none of the fruit, none of the spiritual disciplines. So, so as you look at your life, if you, if you look at this and you're like, gosh, I'm not doing that, it, it could be an indicator is all I'm saying. It could be an indicator that you, that you may be on the cultural side and not on the authentic following Jesus side. Praise God if that's being revealed to you. But spiritual disciplines, you won't have to force them. You'll, you'll, you'll want to do them. You'll want to pray. You'll, you'll want to get closer to God in his word. You'll want to gather. Uh, not perfectly, but it, you'll have that change in you. So, so we've got a life of repentance. We've got spiritual disciplines. Are, are these apples? Are these fruits? And then we have one word for the third one. Giving. Giving. A, a, a person, an authentic believer, there is giving in their life. Now, this could be a very broad term because, well, I'm giving my time, I'm giving my time. I'm talking about finances. I'm not talking about it. God's talking about it. Jesus, I wrote it down, Jesus spoke with complete clarity on money and proclaiming where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So where your money goes is determining where your heart is. So, like, as you adopt a child, and I'm not, I, this is not trying to guilt anybody at all. I'm just saying, if that's your, oh, I can't wait, I want to give that way, that's a good indicator. It says that God's doing something in you. But giving, and it's always so funny because 
people will get tense about the church and money. And I, and I get it. Like, I get it. I, I grew up going to church. And you know my first recollection of giving and the offering was? It was, uh, you know, many churches, you know, they, they would pass the plate and that kind of thing. Uh, my first recollection wasn't passing the plate. It was the ushers that had a, a long stick with a basket on the end. I'm not kidding. And they would literally, it was like calling you out. They would go right up to you and like put, put it right in your chest. And they'd be prodding you with it. Like, you know, it's just violating. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you keep doing that. I will hock a loogie right in that. I don't even care. Like, I don't care. I'll do it. So, but that's, I was like, what are they, why, why, why is it always about money? And maybe you found yourself saying that. And if you have, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that will say that. Oh, the church is just, oh, it's just talking about money. And I, a guy told me that once. And I said, listen, it, the moment I don't ever talk about money is the moment you should run from Meadows Church. Honestly, Jesus talked about it more than anything else. And I always love to tell people, did Jesus, does he want anything from you other than your devotion and your surrender? He doesn't need our money. I know that. Jesus is pretty well off. Everything Jesus taught, everything in the word of God, and money is what he talked about more than anything else. So finances, it's all for you. Everything in the Word of God, all the commandments, all the, all the things, where your treasure is, there your heart, everything was for you. So I just say that to take the pressure off because we feel pressure in this area. I'll, I'll put it back to me. I believed in Jesus. I, I didn't want to give anything. I, I, I was going to church, but I wasn't giving, and I didn't want to. And, and I didn't have a problem with other people giving, but it wasn't in me. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't there. And I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it today because I believe it with all my heart. The fruit of giving, it's probably the number one indicator. Again, Jesus talked about it more than anything else. Why? Because he wanted something from you? No, because he has something for you. People that understand this, and once you start doing it, you, you'll, you'll, it becomes more clear. But if you've never done it, it, it seems like, oh, no, that, you know, that the church or Jesus is trying to con you out of money or something, and that is not it. So, I'll read you a scripture that I'm reading with my purpose group right now, a small group that I'm in. And we're reading 2 Corinthians. We just finished it. But in 2 Corinthians, it gives you an idea of the teachings and how it's for your benefit. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm talking blessings that are way beyond money. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, he said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but one who plants generously it's a generous crop. You must each decide. Now take this in. You must, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. But don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves, say loves, he loves a person who gives cheerfully. So what I would say, to, just look what, look what the word of God says there. And then, and then a few verses later, listen to this. It says, because they're taking an offering in the churches for another church that was struggling. And listen to what the result of the giving was. Paul says that a result of your ministry, of your giving, will be the person that receives it, the people that receive it, will give glory to God. The foster kids that receive the gift from you, they will give glory to God. They, they, they will feel the presence of God as they get, the, get that gift, or as, you, as they get what you gave. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove. It, it will prove. See, it's the fruit. That, that's crazy. It will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. So, so what, what you're saying is our giving is going to prove that we're being obedient. 
And this is the last thing that many people can give up, but it's, that's why Jesus would talk about it so much, because he desperately wants us to get there. It was the last thing I gave up. I, I know that for a fact, but I wrote this. A fruitful Christian loves what God loves, and the scriptures are clear that giving is near and dear to the heart and character of God. So last year at this time, something supernatural happened, and, and, we, and we're doing it again this year. And it's the year-end faith offering in two weeks on December 11th. Why it was so pivotal is because many people started giving for the very first time. They, 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 they started to trust God in that area. It was unbelievable. Not only did many people start to give, but many people started to trust God. And if they gave sporadically, they would start giving uh, consistently. And then many who gave consistently would start, start even tithing, which is a returning 10%. And many who were tithing gave above and beyond. It was unbelievable. So, so I'm just telling you that opportunity is coming up. But, but listen to me. If you feel tension right now and you think that somehow that this is all a ploy to get you to give money, go back to Scripture. Don't give. Like I'm telling you, don't. Because God doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to feel reluctant. He doesn't want you to feel um, um, like you're being pressured. So if you feel that, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Just pray to God and do what he says. I always tell people, even if you're watching online, if the ministry that you get at Meadows Church is blessing you in any way, give according to how you've been blessed. Do that. Just do that. I just, I, I, it's the thing I get, one of the things I get most excited about doing is giving, and I know that that's not me. That is not my heart. My heart is way different than that. But, but Christ in me compels me to do that. So, back to the apples. A life of repentance, that is, an, that is an apple. That is the one way I can know, okay, am I really following Jesus? Um, spiritual disciplines, am I praying to God? Is that consistent? Do I go to him? Am I, do I desire to get in his word at all? Is that there? Giving, how is my giving? Am I, am I giving in a way, or do I give to things that, that just benefit me, or am I giving to help others? The last but not least is a heart for the lost. This is huge. Jesus if you want to sum up why Jesus came, he came for a lot of reasons. But, but to sum it up, read Luke 19.10. What does it say? For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That's why Jesus came. It's the only reason he came at the end of the day. Because those who are, those who are lost were, are you and I. Or were you and I, depending on where you're at right now. That's why Jesus came. And if we don't have a heart for the lost, there is something missing big time because that is his heart in fact script i love what scripture says it's so awesome because one of the one of the ways that we get the angels in heaven to rejoice is when a lost person comes home did you know that that that's what gets heaven roaring listen to scripture i love this luke 15 7 in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. Notice it says repents. It doesn't say one lost sinner who just believes and they're good to go. It says one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. See, that's why we will never stop giving God glory when lost people come home, when dead people come back to life, when broken people are made whole. By the way, since we launched, 586 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. You should get louder than that. That's good news. That's good news. So I just want to make sure those 586 people didn't just make a decision and stop there. I want them all in. 
I want, I want them. Every day surrender, God. What do you want? What do you have for me? It's not about me. It's about you. So, you see invite cards on the chairs as you walk in. We don't always do that, but we're doing it right now. And, and actually, next week, you'll see new invites for a specific Christmas series that starts in December. And why do we do that? Because the number one way people are going to come to a gathering like this is through you. Number one way by far. And if you don't, like, like if you ask yourself right now, when's the last time I shared my faith? Or when's the last time I've, I've given somebody a card or even invited somebody or even thought about inviting somebody? And if you can't remember the last time, again, that's an indicator that, that, that the apple maybe isn't there in this area. If you don't have a heart for lost people, well, that was Jesus' entire heart. So, before we close, I want to just uh, share a quick personal story. But to do that, I got to ha- I got to invite Jeff to come up to the stage. Jeff lives in my area, lives in my neighborhood. That's how I met him. So give it up for Jeff. <laughs> Takes courage to come up here in front of you guys. So I'll give this to you. And so so Jeff and I met five years ago, and it's kind of funny how we met because. Uh, it was a party bus, okay? Now, before you judge me, let me just explain, okay? So, we're, this was an area that people were moving to in the neighborhood, and so people wanted to get to know each other, so somebody in the neighborhood decided, hey, let's, let's, let's rent a party bus, and we'll invite neighbors to come. And so, Jody and I get this invite to our house, and, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, party bus, and, you know, uh, well, you know, you can imagine a party bus. And I thought to myself, dang it, if that's what Jesus wants, I'll do it. So... <laughs> So Jody and I, we said yes to it, and we got in a bus with a bunch of people we didn't know who lived in our area, Jeff and his wife Maggie being two of them. So it was, uh, I mean, there's details that I won't share that Jeff was doing. You don't need to know that. That's between <laughs> him and I. But uh, we, so it, that's what, it, what people were in there, and they were drinking and partying, and we were hanging out with them and talking. Um, but the day we get so righteous that we can't hang out with people that are doing things, like maybe we don't think it's, I mean, we're missing it. Jesus hung out with people that were wild people doing wild things. And uh, so we're in this bus, and the bus would stop at certain establishments, a.k.a. bars, and they would let us out, and we'd go in there and hang out. So one of the bars we stopped at, we went in there, we're hanging out, and that's when I got to meet Jeff and Maggie, and uh, we started to have a conversation. And quickly, church came up, and it wasn't hard. I didn't have to, like, force it or say, hey, you know, get all weird. I, I was weird, but not in that way. So um, <laughs> we, were, we were talking, and... I don't know what was specifically said, but it got brought up. Oh, yeah, we're, we, one of the reasons we moved here was to start a church. And as soon as I said that, Jeff mentioned, Jeff or Maggie, I don't remember, but you mentioned you guys were looking. And why, why I tell you that is because the devil wants you to believe that no one wants you to bring up anything about your faith or church or anything. I'm telling you, people are desperate. People are seeking. People are, people are searching. Get closer. I'm okay. So I, I, test, I tested negative as far as you know. So, uh, so people are searching and looking. So, so Jeff and Maggie, were, that was, church was on their radar. But here's what you also need to know. We, even though they were invited, they didn't come the next Sunday or the next Sunday or the next Sunday. And my, my first thought was, he's such a jerk. You know, I invited him to church. He doesn't show up. But you, did, you guys didn't come for a long time. So describe, so describe that, because I think we get frustrated. We invite somebody, and we're like, oh, they didn't come. But you don't know what God's doing when that seed is planted. Right. Uh, is this good? All right. Uh, I think you missed an important detail. 
it was the first bar, so we were sober. It was a good conversation. Um, uh, yeah, so we got the invite, uh, and we had been looking. We've we've gone through uh, the the area and went to a different couple different churches. Uh, we just didn't the vibe didn't check out. Uh, Maggie was working overnights at the time, so the, the, our schedule and just the balance of life wasn't working out, but we had this urge to um, get back in church. I was raised Lutheran. Maggie was raised uh, Catholic. And uh, our son at the time, he was, I think, four. Uh, it was it was crazy. I don't know if it's how it lined up like this, but he started asking about God and who's Jesus and things like that. My mom has always been in the church, has always um, been uh, a faith-based person. Uh, so he hasn't, it wasn't out of the blue. He's heard those conversations before, but gosh, he was just adamant and sticking to it. And we're like, it, it, all of a sudden, Maggie got on day shift, which in her position is rare uh, at the time. So she got moved to day shift. Uh, and then we, uh, we took Monty up on that invite like six weeks later and, uh, and went into the church and haven't left since. That was- Isn't that awesome? Four years ago. Four plus years ago. Yeah. So I hope you caught what he said about their oldest son, Abe, four years old maybe at the time, asking his parents about God. Asking, see, there's a reason kids' ministry is our most important ministry. I'm telling you, the kids are hungry, and, they're, and they're, 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 they haven't yet been warped by the world like many of us adults have. And, and it's their, their desire is to know their creator. So Abe brings it up, and you guys come to church. So... There's so many, I mean, this could be a whole, ser- a whole sermon, but your lives have been changed. Right. You right. and Maggie, so just describe overall, because I, what I want everyone to know is the invitation that you give, you have no idea what God will do. So how was your lives? How did they look different today than they looked before you came to Meadows Church? Right. So I, I'm a mess of a person, if you guys don't know me. Uh, still am, still working on things. Uh, Maggie's always been the rock of the house, um, holding it down. Uh, but gosh, our relationship has just gotten stronger, more, um, uh, open. Like we, we're not scared to have those crucial conversations. Um, gosh, we, we're, we're strongly faith-based, pray every night with the family, uh, kids will ask, you know, when we try to send them to bed early, he's like, oh, we got to pray. Um, man, it's just, I can't even, there's so many things that. You're in a group. I yeah, see, I see you every week. Yeah, I see you every week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, started serving. I'm in a group, a uh, purpose group, which that alone has, has changed uh, me from the inside out uh, significantly. Uh, just my thought process, the way I approach um, different situations whether it be um, from a disciplinary standpoint with the, with the kids or from a, a emotional standpoint with uh, kids and wife and family. Uh, I have two emotions, mad and less mad. <laughs> so You're not alone, Jeff. You're not alone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to open up. Uh, actually had um, 
through purpose group and, and stuff like that, I still, I, I recognized that I had some things I had to work through um, from the past. So started going to therapy and stuff like that. Yep. So if it wasn't for uh, this group of people and that group of men, who knows what would occur, but yeah. You, so the transformation is amazing. And Jeff didn't even touch, I mean, him and Maggie both serve in the church. They attend, they serve. Uh, their kids, Abe, the one who's asking about God, he serves and attends, even at his age. It's amazing. Giving, you guys give. Did you ever dream you would give like you give to the church? No, no. And I hesitated at the beginning. And uh, I, my whole life, I'm used to, I was used to living paycheck to paycheck. I was poor, and I didn't mind being poor. And I just, that's the way I lived. That's what I knew. And then, you know, of course, Maggie came into life and, and kids and stuff like that. And uh, long story short, we, we started giving, not the 10%, um, because of my bills. Student loans are crazy. But uh, we gave what we could, and then things just started lining up. Like Maggie's new job, mm -hmm. day shift, came with a raise. I switched uh, into a new company that came with gosh, perks that I couldn't even imagine that saved us, saved us money that we could, uh, you know, give forward. And we, we chose to give to the church. And the blessings haven't stopped from a financial standpoint. Don't get me wrong, we're, there's still days where we're nervous and we're like, oh gosh, how are we going to handle this? But man, something keeps, something always happens. Um, and you're just like, <laughs> you, I don't know, God is good. He is good. Yeah. You guys, step after step after step, getting God's word, reading it daily, and just all these things. So, you know, Jeff and Maggie both recommitted their lives to Christ at Meadows Church and were baptized at Meadows. Not only that, but that son, Abe, that was asking about God, last year gave his life to Christ and got baptized. You can see a picture of him. Give it up for, for Jeff one more time. I love you, dude. Proud of you. All those steps that him and Maggie have taken, they didn't happen all at once. It was, a, it was all of a sudden an apple showed up. And then, and then pretty soon, six months later, poop, there was another apple. It, so it, it's, it's, it's a process. I just, I, I, I want you to hear it from people like you. It's not just a pastor saying, this series is huge. My biggest concern is that you or someone you love will get to that judgment day and you'll be blindsided. I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I want you to know. And, and, and I just, looking back at my life, I know what I didn't have. I believe, but I wasn't following. I was doing the right things at some of the time, but didn't want, I mean, there was, I was missing all the fruit. And maybe that's you. I'm so glad you're here. If that's you, praise God you're here. So, if I, I would pray. You know when I would pray when I needed something? I would pray, like, for me, Jesus was, how can I say this? He was like a good luck charm Jesus. Right? A genie in a bottle, Jesus. Get me out of a jam, Jesus, that I would go to and ask God, God Jesus, I just want to live, I want to be a success in the world. God, I want to live a, a good life, and I want to live, a, I want it to be smooth and everything to work out. 
But God doesn't promise those things. That's not a promise from God. You know what God promises? He doesn't promise you worldly success. God doesn't promise you easy or smooth. The promise is it's going to be difficult, but you know what? I'll be with you when it's difficult. I'll be with you when it's hard. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I will use every moment of your life to make you more like my son, Jesus. That's his promise. It isn't easy. It's just so good. I'm going to pray for you in about two minutes. I just want you to know Jesus personally. And I want you to know that he's not some genie or somebody you go to when you want what you want. By the way, I'm so grateful many of my prayers weren't, weren't answered, honestly. We don't know what's best for us. If I had my way and got what I wanted, Meadows wouldn't exist. My family wouldn't, would never moved here. That was never my plan. So, so I'm just telling you, maybe you're like, God's not answering my prayers. I'm telling you, he hears your prayers. He hears them. But he's always looking out for your best interest, even when you don't know what that is. But I don't, want, I don't want us to go to God. I wrote down, what we need to understand is this. God doesn't exist to give us what we want. God, is, God isn't some, like, means to an end. Actually, God is the means. God is the end. He is the first. He is the last. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And I'm telling you what, his plans are always better than our plans. Always. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, I promise you, we will preach it every weekend at Meadows Church. God sent his son, Jesus. This is where it all begins for you and me, at a cross. The, the people that, that, that Jesus came for, those lost people, those messed up people, hello, that's you and that's me. So God sent Jesus to pay a price that you and I can't pay. You and I can't pay. And Jesus dies on a cross to save us from that judgment day. That's why he came. He says, I'm going to take the penalty of your sin and your death, or your, your penalty of sin and eternal death for you. And, and the first step to salvation, believing that Jesus did it. I believe in Jesus. He died on a cross, but more importantly, three days later, he rose from the dead. I, I always say if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, like I'm, going to, I'm with him. I'm just, I'm just with him. And he did it. So you believe in that, and this is the first step. And, and, and then the step after that is just a surrender, saying, God, I believe in this gospel. You died on a cross, and you rose from the dead. And then I'm going to ask you, I need you to enter me as the power of the Holy Spirit. Come into me. Change, start changing the way I think. I surrender today. I don't want what I want anymore. I want what you want. I want to stop living selflessly for myself or my family. I want to start living for you, because when I do that, you take care of myself, and you take care of my family better than I ever could anyway. This is the gospel. You can't earn your salvation. Understand something. Please don't ever hear that in this message. Well, if I'm a biblical Christian, I'm, I'm, I got to do it. No, no, no. You, you have to allow Jesus to do it in you. Just allow him to take the reins of your life. We're saved by God's grace through our faith. And it's, it's belief in what Jesus did. But repentance is a part of it. And if you don't listen to last week's message Listen to what Jesus says. If you have any questions, come up to the prayer team after the service. They'll help you. Come up to me. I'll help you. What's the Lord doing in your life right now? Is there fruit? As you look at the four fruits that we talked about, is there evidence? Ask yourself that honest question. And then respond according to how the Holy Spirit asks you to respond.
God loves you. If you feel guilt or shame, that's not from God. If you feel conviction, that is from God. He's just drawing you in, drawing you in, drawing you in. Whatever you decide today, whatever decision you make, let us know. Fill out a prayer request. Make a decision, whatever God is telling you to do. Jeff never dreamed his life would be where it is four years later. He never dreamed. One step at a time. And the world will never be the same. Your world will never be the same. Father, oh, this is a big one. God, I knew this series was coming for years. It's always been my heart, God, that there's people like me, people that grew up in the church, people we've never doubted like Jesus living, and we maybe even never doubted his, the cross or the tomb, but yet the way we live doesn't reflect any of it. And if you look at my life, most of my life, God, you know this. I didn't have the apples. I didn't have the fruit. I lived like... I believed in you, but I lived like you didn't exist. And the only time I would bring you into the picture is when I needed something or my family needed something or we were in a jam and you needed to get us out. I wonder if there's others that are living that way right now. According to your scripture, many, many. But Meadows Church, we're a church of the few. We are a church of the few and we will be the few that, 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 that forsakes all else to follow you. God, I pray for everybody here today and everybody watching online. I pray they know they are valued and they are loved. So, What are they worth? They're worth the blood of Jesus. There's nothing more valuable. And I pray that right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are revealing to each and every person an area maybe where you want them to look at or focus at. Or maybe, God, they're, they're, they're walking with you and they are, they are on, they're on point and you're showing them that to keep going, keep doing it. You're, 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 you're doing great. Whatever it is, God, show us. We thank you for Jesus. He's the center of what we do here. Nothing matters without him. Nothing. His sacrifice, his, his death and resurrection is the only reason that we have hope today. Thank you for that hope for the gift of eternal life in him, that this world is not all there is. We lose loved ones, we lose people that we care about, and to know that there's hope beyond this world is an incredible comfort. I just want people to know how to, how to receive it. And so they know on that day when they meet you, you'll be like, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the stairway of life and live with me forever in a place we can't even fathom. I want that for everybody here and everybody they know and love. Jesus, have your way. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in your name. And the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.